Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, today we're going to be talking about terror in Vegas. And, of course, there's the old expression, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. But it's not true this time because the whole world is paying attention to what is the biggest mass killing in United States history. Now, what has fascinated me about this, I mean, obviously it's tragedy, and the first thing I want to say is that my heart goes out to all the victims, the, the injured victims, the families of the victims, the families of the deceased victims, um, and all of Vegas, because it kind of, um, there's a sense in Vegas that, there's, that it, the city is untouchable. It's not real, like there's a, a sense of surreal, <laughs> surreality in Vegas, <clears throat> and that was smashed with this incident that happened on Sunday night where a man, Stephen Paddock, 64 years old, reserved a room, they were staying in a room in the Mandalay Bay Hotel, the 32nd floor, and at the end of a concert uh, started shooting with um, improvised machine guns, essentially, that he had rigged up or that was, were rigged up in some way to keep on firing nonstop. And there are, at this point, reports are saying there are 59 people dead and over uh, 500 injured. I mean, just staggering numbers, over 500 injured. And, of course, unfortunately, some of those um, will ultimately uh, die. So the death toll will presumably go up. Um, Let me, the things that interested me the most out of this story are reflected in the tweets that I have been uh, writing since it began. Uh, First, I I wrote, the Vegas mass shooter, um, shooter's uh, um, age, well, this is actually, (laughs) this one I put in a, uh, this is a a tweet that I was able to make longer when I put it on uh, Facebook. So it says, Vegas mass shooting. Shooter's age and female accomplice are not typical of terrorism, but targeting a concert is like the terror attacks of Ariana Grande in the UK and the Bataclan in Paris. So in other words, um, I ain't buying uh, all these stories that there is definitely no link to radical Islamist terrorism. I mean, I, there might not be. I, I certainly don't have any uh, surprise inside news uh, that he was def- definitively a terrorist, a, a, a radical Islamist terrorist. He did create terror in Vegas, um, and, and we'll, we'll eventually find out what his motive was, but he did sen- cause a sense of terror in Vegas. And, um, but I am sort of uh, really <laughs> obsessed with, uh, you know, being the terrorist, a therapist, being, you know, doing, um, uh, doing all the things that I have been doing since 9-11 to help families keep calm and carry on. Of course, I focus primarily on this question of was it real terrorism? And um, 
I will explain what I just said a little bit more, but let me just go on to, to the rest of my tweets. So, you know, this, this whole, even though uh, in this tweet, as I was saying, it's his age uh, is not typical of terrorists who are mostly in their um, 20s or sometimes late teens to early 30s, um, and it is having this female, uh, at that point I wrote female accomplice, but and I'm not taking that back because I think there is, that's the other part of this that has totally, totally caught my interest um, because I think that people are, you know, the authorities are waiting to be able to make uh, personal contact with her. They've spoken to her by phone. But, you know, it's amazing that she has still stayed out of the United States. Uh, story goes that she, at the time of the shooting, she was in the Philippines and then now she is, has been described as being in Hong Kong or somewhere in Asia. But then there are other reports that say that she went to um, Hong Kong or some other place in Asia before she went to the Philippines. So it's kind of that sort of, uh, there's no straight story there that I have been able to find in all of the research that I've been doing. So in any case, she was not in the country. She was not in his hotel room when he was um, doing this mass shooting. But I do not believe that she is as innocent as um, uh, the authorities seem to be hoping that she is. There's all these reports about how uh, they're expecting when they are finally able to meet with her face-to-face. I mean, you would think her live-in boyfriend has just perpetrated this horrendous crime if she was totally innocent and didn't really know anything that um, she didn't want to have to tell, that she would be flying back here on the first plane to help authorities figure out what's going on and uh, do whatever else she could, she could do to help. But she has been staying away, wherever she may be, um, since, I mean, since before. Uh, apparently there are some reports that she left um, Nevada two weeks before the shooting. So he may well have, you know, obviously this whole thing was planned on his account, and he may well have uh, purposely sent her away early on so that she wouldn't be implicated, or she may well have arranged for her to be uh, leaving the country early on so she wouldn't be implicated, although he did use her IDs when he signed into the hotel and so on, which is how they found out who she was. Um, but in any case, so the authorities are expecting that when she finally shows her face here, that she's going to be super helpful and uh, explain his motives and so on. I think they're in for a rude awakening because I do not think she's going to be very helpful at all. And I think, indeed, she knows a lot. And it is um, not all um, uh, proving that she's innocent, for example. And I'm going to talk, to, I'll talk about her later. Um, but, for example, just a little sneak peek, the uh, Las Vegas shooter, Stephen Paddock, wired her $100,000 to the Philippines the week before. Now, it's not clear whether it was to her. It was to some, someone in the Philippines. It's actually not clear that it was directly to her. They're suspecting that it might have been to her. It might have been to her family, or it could have been to some other, something else altogether. Like, for example... <laughs> Has anyone been thinking about the fact that the Philippines is a hotbed of terrorism? Um, so they, they could both have been involved with some kind of terrorist 
sell or at least terrorist influence um, through her Philippines connection. Again, this is all wild speculation, but I feel totally justified in wildly speculating because um, it is a counterpoint to the authorities saying, oh, no, this couldn't be terrorism. I mean, radical Islamist terrorism. No, he's not a terrorist. Really? Okay. Second thing I tweeted was, um, more recently after the first thing, I wrote, Stephen Paddock's psych problems began when mom said dad was dead, though he was though in prison, for bank robbery after arrested in Vegas. In other words, and I'm going to get into that now, um, Stephen Paddock's father was um, a criminal. He was on the FBI most wanted list, a bank robber. And um, what is totally fascinating is that uh, he was arrested for being a bank robber in Las Vegas. And that was the first time. Then he escaped from the jail, and then he ultimately was uh, rearrested in Oregon years later. He was out for about 10 years. So he was, a, he was kind of a wild and crazy guy, <laughs> um, Stephen Baddock's father. And some of that wild uh, and craziness could well have been either genetically or, um, or psychologically transmitted to him, although his brother said that they never met his, their father. Now, what I meant by this tweet was, that apparently um, Stephen has three brothers, and his mother raised all these children on her own because their father was arrested. Now, it's not clear, though, hmm, it's not clear whether all four of the children, all four boys, uh, were young enough to believe the mother's story that the dad was dead. She was, in other words, instead of telling her children that, her, that their father was in prison, she said that, her, that, he was in, in, that he was dead. Now, that misses up a child's mind. <laughs> let's, let's start with that. Um, yes, it's not great to have to tell, especially your little boys, that their father is in prison. You don't want the children to grow up. <laughs> Yeah, you see how well that worked. You don't want the children to grow up to be um, criminals like their father, and you don't want them, in the meantime, as little boys, to be ashamed of their father, to have to tell their friends who ask, where's your daddy, uh, to tell them, oh, well, he's in prison. You know, you can understand why a mother might think about doing that, uh, but it really messes with children's minds because eventually they find out, they figure it out, they find out, as obviously um, these children did. I don't know how, but they did figure it out. And then they know, they see that not only is their father a convicted bank robber in prison, and then ultimately uh, an escapee from prison and on the FBI most wanted list, but now they have to deal with a mother who lied to them. So um, none of this is good, <laughs> uh, you know, and also their father, I mean, the irony, their father never, ma- never murdered anyone, um, he robbed banks, not that that's great, and then escaped from jail, prison, that's not that that's great, but I mean, it's kind of an irony because uh, though the father never actually murdered someone, which would be harder to tell to your kids, 
Um, then Stephen Paddock goes out and becomes the United States' worst murderer, mass killer. So, um, so <laughs> if you have a, uh, a husband or a boyfriend or whatever, or if a parent is in jail, do not lie to your children. Besides, the real sad part is that um, they didn't, they weren't able to visit their father, and. Um, because, obviously, if she told them that the father was dead, they wouldn't think to, and there wouldn't be any way of visiting him. And even that is not good. If a parent is in jail or prison, it is, although it's not, let me tell you, having spent um, many, many days uh, visiting criminals in prison to, for my psychiatric expert witness work, it is not, you know, in spending time in the visiting area as well as in the offices that they have. I mean, different prisons have different spaces for where psychiatrists can examine the prisoners. So sometimes it is just in, essentially in a part of the visiting room, the, the main visitor's room. So, you know, it's not the ideal place for kids. Um, most prisons or jails have uh, toys for the kids. Uh, but, you know, it's not, it's not an ideal space to be raising children. But on the other hand, it's a way of keeping the bond with the parent who is incarcerated. Well, I, this is just sort of a sneak peek of all the different things I'm going to be talking to you about, mostly his motive, Stephen Paddock's motive, the strange story of his girlfriend, which gets stranger than what I've already described, and then how you can talk to your kids about... Um, what happened in Vegas. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about terror in Vegas. And um, we don't know yet uh, although I'm going to be telling you reasons why we might have started, and I'm going to continue telling, telling you reasons why we might suspect that he is 
influenced by uh, radical Islamist terrorists has been uh, influenced. But no one knows that for sure, but he certainly did create terror in Vegas by uh, shooting into the concert and causing all of the people to uh, stampede to try to flee from the um, rain of bullets. So let's go back to um, some of the things that I just uh, teased in the opening here. Well, what we do know about Stephen Paddock, and he is somewhat of a mysterious and certainly unconventional guy. We know he was a high-stakes gambler. He was well-known in the casinos of Nevada. He also had real estate investments in Texas, in Florida, in various places, in, in Nevada, and so on. Um, he was, the last time he had full-time employment was 30 years ago, and since then he has been uh, unmoored and unconventional, living an unconventional lifestyle. I mean, I mean his brother describes his job, uh, Stephen's job, as being a professional gambler. So he was twice divorced. He has no children. Uh, he has a pilot's license, and he owned, at one time, two single-engine planes. Um, he was, at the time of this shooting in Vegas on Sunday, he uh, lived <laughs> in a quiet retirement community in Mesquite, Nevada, which was um, outside of Las Vegas. Now, his family keeps saying, his brother in particular, who's doing a lot of talking to the media, uh, keeps saying that he, has, he never knew him to have any strong religious or political views. What we do know, um, as I began to mention, was that uh, Stephen was the son of a bank robber who ultimately escaped from prison and spent most of the 1970s on the FBI's most wanted list. Um, his brother describes him as a wealthy guy playing video poker, <clears throat> who went cruising all the time and lived in a hotel room. Yeah, there are stories about how he lived in, because, because he gambled so much and spent so much money gambling, of course, the casinos gave him all the perks that the high-stake gamblers get. So, for example, he was able to live in um, a casino for four months at a time. <clears throat> now, about the, the father. Um, he, the father was convicted in 1961 of committing a series of bank robberies and was sentenced to 20 years, but he escaped from Latuna Federal Prison in Texas in 1968. So he was there for seven or eight years. He, he, he um, escaped, and then he became a used car dealer and a bingo parlor operator in Oregon. <laughs> you get the kind of, you get the gist of the kind of lifestyle that um, his father... <laughs> And Stephen kind of lived, uh, although Stephen apparently had and was able to uh, raise a lot more money through all of his real estate um, refurbishings and so on and sellings, and uh, then it would seem that his father did, although, <laughs> although I guess at one time his father had a lot of money too from robbing the banks. Um, there was a wanted, there were wanted, wanted posters for um, Stephen's father that said that the bank robber uh, father was diagnosed as psychopathic. And they also described him as having suicidal tendencies. And if they said he should be considered armed and very dangerous. 
Now, it's really fascinating. As a psychiatrist, I find it really fascinating that um, even though, I mean, they've done, typically this is done in twin studies where twins are separated at birth and they are raised by different families, oftentimes in different countries. And it turns out that the twins will most often grow up to have similar lifestyles, similar tastes, and so on, even though they never knew, other than in the womb, <laughs> they never knew their twin sibling. So if it's true, as um, his brother had said, <clears throat> that they never met their father, and it seems like the father is dead because there are no reports of the father having commented on this or anything. All the reports about the father are just about his bank-robbing past and his escape and so on. Um, and yet the mother, Stephen Paddock's mother, is still alive. So <clears throat> anyhow, so the father was diagnosed as psychopathic, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> and which obviously, um, you know, it would seem that Stephen Paddock was, his lifestyle and certainly his ultimate act of um, committing the biggest mass shooting. Uh, <laughs> one would, could easily assume that he had, psychopathic tendencies, and also suicidal tendencies, because his plan, um, he didn't plan to escape. He stayed in his hotel room from the 32nd floor, shooting at the people at the concert, until finally the police, an hour and 20 minutes or so later, got to his hotel room, and at that point they found him, um, they found that he had committed suicide. He put a gun in his mouth and pulled the trigger, and that was apparently his plan all along or else he would have stopped shooting uh, before the police got there and made some escape. So just like the father, just like his father, he was psychopathic and he was suicidal and obviously armed and very dangerous. So, and it's interesting, I actually, uh, in hearing about this, it's kind of surreal because I actually um, <clears throat> stayed in the same hotel, the Mandalay Bay Hotel, very nice hotel, uh, a couple of New Year's ago, and um, so it's really strange for me to hear about all of this happening from the hotel that I had stayed in. Um, anyway, his brother is saying that uh, Stephen was the least violent in the family during their childhood. So his brother, by the way, Brother Eric is, <laughs> I think Brother Eric is going to end up, uh, well, I don't want to say, <laughs> well, I, all right, <laughs> end up in an insane asylum because or end up, I mean, I'm sort of being somewhat facetious, but end up certainly needing a lot of psychiatric treatment because he is coming unglued uh, in his television interviews. He is, I mean, it, you know, he's, he's um, understandably very upset that his brother, uh, who he apparently really did not suspect of being capable of anything like this, uh, that his brother is responsible for all this, these deaths and injuries and the biggest mass shooting in all of America and so on. I mean, he, he does seem sincerely upset about that. Uh, he, he talked about how it's like a, an asteroid, as if, you know, he was asking one of the reporters, how would you feel if an asteroid came down and hit us right now? That's like how I feel about you telling me that my brother just committed this mass shooting. He was sincerely totally floored, and I compare that to the girlfriend um, Mary Lou Danley, who um, 
was not floored at all. You know, as I read to you in my first tweet about this whole thing, I called her an accomplice, and I don't take that, that back yet. Just because she wasn't in the room shooting the guns alongside, um, I, I think she knew a lot about this. Um, Stephen Paddock, the shooter, went to college. Uh, he worked as an accountant. That's another... <laughs> You know, another thing that is flies in the face of typical mass shooters, whether they are real terrorists or not, um, he was an accountant. <laughs> you know, you have the image of accountants as being like quiet and bald and, well, he was bald, but <laughs> quiet and staid and uh, innocent. And, you know, I, I usually, I used to give that as an example when I talk about my bad boys book, um, how women are attracted to bad boys and not good accountants. You know, well, he was an accountant who was who was a bad boy. Um, he he, all the purchases of his many guns were legal. They cleared all the federal screenings. He doesn't have a criminal record. Um, the, he was not close to the brothers. Um, even the one Eric, who's been doing all the talking, they actually had worked together in this real estate business, and, and Eric credits him with making him wealthy as well. Um, but there does, they really didn't seem to have a very good, very close relationship to to his family, except that he sends his mother cookies. The, the shooter, Stephen, um, it is reported widely <laughs> that he sh- uh, sends his mother cookies. So. I mean, his brother Eric uh, broke down in tears during an interview, and he said, there's nothing I can say. My brother did this. It's like he shot us. I couldn't be more dumbfounded. Uh, he said he last spoke to his brother when, because of the hurricane, because um, their mother it was living in Florida. So he contacted his brother and asked how the family was doing during Hurricane Irma. And he says, he texted me to ask about my mom after the hurricane. He sent her a walker. Yeah, he sent her a walker. He sent her cookies. Um, The mother is 89 years old. And so the brother said, the situation has been very difficult uh, for their 89-year-old mother who had to deal with her husband who was a bank robber and now this. Ah. (laughs) Uh, And at 89. Um. Let's see. Now, the girlfriend, uh, Mary, Mary Lou Danley, was 62 years old. And um, uh, she worked as what's called a high-limit hostess at the Atlantis Casino in Reno from 2010 to 2013, according to her LinkedIn account. Now, what that means is, what her job was, uh, was to attend to members of a loyalty club called Club Paradise, the people, the guys who spend a lot of money at the casinos. So they receive the discounted hotel rooms, the meals, and all kinds of other perks. Now, call me cynical, <laughs> uh, but it seems to me, now this woman, this woman was born in the Philippines, and she somehow became a... A, an Australian citizen. She moved to Australia and became an Australian citizen. And I don't know, I, there really isn't anything about like why that happened or uh, and so on. But she did marry, um, she was married at some point in America. And anyway, call me cynical, but wouldn't that be the perfect job, high limit hostess, 
for a single woman who would like to meet a rich guy to take care of her for the rest of her life. And uh, it isn't clear, it hasn't been reported clearly that that was how she met her first husband, who she is, was then divorced from, um, and then met Stephen. But, you know, clearly, um, it clearly, it seems relatively suspicious. I mean, obviously, she's not working as a high, as a high limit hostess anymore, and instead she has Stephen Paddock taking care of her, or she had until he committed these, this vile act. Um, oh, my goodness me. There's, there's the uh, music for another break. Okay, I have to get to this story more quickly. There's just so many interesting ins and outs of it. Uh, that we will get back to, particularly the all his motive. That's what I'm going to be talking about in the next segment. What some of the theories are about his motive, and um, and why. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking about terror in Vegas. Uh, and now talking about what his motives might have been. And um, my, the third tweet, the most recent tweet that I tweeted, and this I'm going to read you is uh, the longer version that I put on my Facebook page, is, though Stephen Paddock is not your typical terrorist, ISIS has long been calling for lone wolves to attack Las Vegas and concerts. Plus, Paddock had explosives. So we can't rule terrorism out so quickly. Yes, this is my, uh, as I said before, I don't have any inside knowledge that he was a terrorist, but I do feel strongly that the authorities are always too quick, and particularly in this case, too quick to rule terrorism out. So let's look at the potential motives, so things that have been hypothesized so far. So far. Um, some people have said mounting gambling debts, uh, a family history of mental illness. That would be in relation to his father. 
partisan political rage and a claim of responsibility by ISIS. So let's examine all of these. So the gambling debts. Um, even though he was a multimillionaire at one time, he was also known to be betting large sums. For example, he played poker games for $1,000 a hand. He was spending up to $30,000 a day in the casino in the days leading up to the shooting. I mean, I guess he figured, what does he have to lose, <laughs> even if he loses it all? Um, and, well, and maybe that's kind of that theory that maybe he did lose it all, and so he didn't want to live anymore. Um, he, um, but there's no clear evidence that he had incurred massive gaming losses. That really isn't known. This is just a speculation. Maybe he lost it all in the last days, and that's why he... But clearly, he had been planning this for a long time, so that theory does not seem likely. Okay, mental illness. The son of Benjamin Hoskins Paddock, as I've been saying, a serial bank robber um, who was described as a, uh, as a psychopath with suicidal tendencies. So, yes, um, obviously that could well, there, he could well have inherited these genetics, uh, genetic test tendencies to these illnesses, um, although there is no... There was no documentation of his having had psychiatric treatment, but this is still early in the investigation. He could well have seen a private psychiatrist, and it wouldn't have gotten documented anywhere. Um, Political rage. This is another theory that some people are thinking, that perhaps he was a left-wing extremist who targeted a country music concert because he believed there would be more Republicans in attendance similar to what happened some months ago where a, a shooter targeted a baseball field where the Republicans were practicing. Um, then this, uh, there have been some blogs that posted a photo where they claimed that this was Stephen Paddock, and they, it's a man, I don't really think it looks like him, but anyhow, it's a man in a um, pink T-shirt and a pink hat, you know, like... Um, um, a feminist hat, and but you, it's a very grainy photo. You can't really see his face well. He's next to a woman who isn't his girlfriend. Not that that means anything. It could just be some woman in the crowd. Um, he wasn't registered as a Democrat or a Republican. He wasn't even registered to vote in Florida, which is where his permanent address was. So I think that's kind of reaching also. Then we get to ISIS. So... Um, there, there have been some, um, ISIS has put out some posts um, claiming that he was a soldier of ISIS. So uh, I'm going to read you a quote. Responding to the call of, there was recently, uh, yeah, I mean, this is really, this is really eerie and, and, uh, and may well be an indication that it was related to ISIS. Um, and actually, I had tweeted about this uh, a few days ago, about um, how Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi had recently um, sent out an audio tape uh, encouraging his followers to create more attacks. So, um, okay, so this quote was, responding to the call of Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi to target the states of the Crusader Alliance 
and after careful observation of gatherings of the Crusaders in the U.S. city of Las Vegas, one of the soldiers of the Caliphate, uh, who they are calling Abu Abd al-Bar al-Amriki, may Allah accept him, lay hidden armed with machine guns and various ammunition in a hotel overlooking a concert. He opened fire on the gathering, leaving 600 killed and injured until his ammunition was finished and he departed as a martyr. So this is what ISIS has put out on the Internet, claiming responsibility um, for the attack, claiming that that's why um, Stephen Paddock uh, did what he did. Now, in fact, there's more, you know, even there are more... uh, ISIS is, is, uh, is supporting this, is claiming this even more strongly. Um, he, they put uh, credit for this, you know, credit for the attack in uh, an Arabic language re- website. And uh, there was a Twitter post also. Um, they claimed that Paddock was one of its soldiers. And they're saying that he converted to Islam months ago. Now, what's interesting is that, um, let's see, that they're saying that um, companies that monitor, a cyber monitoring company called Jihadoscope uh, that monitors jihadi activity confirmed that this is what the statement read, um, a, attacker, one of the statements of ISIS, attacker of the, the Las Vegas shooting is a soldier of the Islamic State and carried out the operation in response to targeting coalition countries. And, um, and, and they continued, you know, to say that, uh, to claim that he was one of them uh, by identifying him with this, with this name, Abu Abdul Bar al-Amriki. Um, now, they're saying that the posts that ISIS have made um, ha- is the, on the group's AMOC news agency that the language matched the language of previous claims that turned out to be true. In other words, they're saying that whoever wrote these things about Stephen Paddock being, um, carrying out this attack on behalf of ISIS that the, the language, the way it was written and so on, is similar to previous claims that turned out to be true. Now, again, does that make him a terrorist, uh, an Islam, a radical Islamist, uh, an ISIS terrorist? No, not yet. But, um, uh, and people who don't have a formal connection to ISIS, but um, they are carrying out an attack on behalf of ISIS, is re- are referred to as a soldier which is what the Post did. Um, so and one of the things, that, um, Paddock, Stephen Paddock had no military background, so they're wondering about how he learned how to modify the AR-15s he used to make, turn them into fully automatic weapons. And so, of course, there's the speculation that uh, ISIS trained him. Again, speculation. Now, this the shooting, um, I, this was the Route 91 Harvest Festival where there were 22,000 people. I mean, obviously, this was a very well-chosen place to um, have an attack, who, whatever the uh, motive behind it. Um, 
And they're also making the connection, the fact that the shooting began, the shooting in Vegas began as the last act was performing on the last day of this event. And the attack at the Ariana Grande concert in the UK also took place at the end of the event. Again, does that make him um, a terrorist, an Islamic terrorist? No, not necessarily, but these are all things that are kind of... uh, (laughs) does make you scratch your head. Um, and also, another thing, um, some, one of his neighbors said that he disappeared for six months last year. Was he radicalized and trained in heavy weapons then? Now, it's also been said, of course, that he takes a lot of cruises, although, of course, that could have been what he told his family. <laughs> and he could have been in the Middle East or the Philippines somewhere being trained. That is true. Um, okay, let me go on. Now, there are those, on the other hand, who are saying that ISIS claiming responsibility is a sign of desperation. Now, of course, we do know that ISIS does um, often uh, claim responsibility when, um, whenever something happens that could be <laughs> a terrorist attack, and they don't all turn out to be terror attacks, Although I must say it is getting a little more confusing because these days terror attacks are, um, don't have to be like what happened in Vegas. They are happening uh, all around, like in Marseille. There was a terrorist who slit the, took a knife to two women just this, during the same time frame. And um, I was just reading another incident in Europe where there was a, just a, a similar kind of um, a small, small attack, if you can call it that, um, so, and these things are getting sort of glossed over because, because of uh, Vegas. But, um, so ISIS, you know, whatever kind of attack it is, ISIS does typically claim that it was one of the people, one of their soldiers, and it doesn't always turn out to be that way. But, you know, um, so they're saying that uh, ISIS, you know, they, by continuing to claim responsibility all the time, it's like the boy who cried wolf, um, so nobody's going to believe them, they're losing credibility, and so on. But then there's the thought that it doesn't matter that if ISIS is lying when they're, saying, when they're claiming that these various attacks are someone on beha- doing it on behalf of ISIS, because the people who believe, who or who want to believe in the propaganda of ISIS won't believe what the authorities say and will believe ISIS that it was, you know, yet, yet another victory for ISIS. So it's a kind of psychological warfare. So I, again, I just, um, I hope that the authorities are not too quickly going to conclude um, that it is not ISIS because, um, or, you know, any other, um, you know, some other form of radical Islamist terrorism because, um, because that, that is the tendency these days. Nobody wants to believe there is so much denial going on in America. It is unbelievable. Um, no one wants to believe that 9-11 could ever happen again. I've, I've talked about um, how on this year's anniversary of 9-11, there, uh, it was such an obvious evidence of denial in our country because although we... 
honored, the, the day was spent honoring the people who died and their families and the people who were injured and are still suffering, the people who helped at Ground Zero and so on. Um, but there was no mention of who was flying the planes into the uh, World Trade Center or into the Pentagon or, you know, headed for the White House. Um, it was as if the planes, you know, the pilots got lost. There was no mention of terrorism. Very, I, I watched lots of coverage. I was in New York. I was going to the museums during those days. And um, so I was very keen, and I had been at, I spent a lot of time at Ground Zero, so I was keenly aware of, um, you know, I think that really to honor the memory of the victims, um, that, that it, they would appreciate it if we actually mentioned that the reason why they are dead or injured uh, is because of terrorists, not because of some stray plane that went into the Twin Towers. Oh, got me really angry. Anyhow, hearing the music again, we need to take another break. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about terror in Vegas. And again, I want to clarify that um, I... By that, I mean a man, Stephen Paddock, who created terror in Vegas, um, killing over 59 people, injuring over 500. And we don't know um, whether he is an actual radical Islamist terrorist or not yet, but I am urging you to keep questioning authorities who want us to believe that no, 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 no. There's no link to terrorism. I mean, right, he might not have been in a cell, per se, but, and in fact, even ISIS is just calling him a soldier um, of terrorism or of ISIS, not necessarily someone who was um, a, an actual part of ISIS in a cell, just doing this on behalf of ISIS. But my point is we need to keep open minds and see what the story is and to look into this more carefully before our... Uh, our desire to be in denial about terrorism and about another 9-11 uh, attack 
type attack happening here um, overshadows our rational mind and makes us dismiss the possibility of his being a terrorist related to some or believing in some terrorist propaganda like ISIS. So now I want to talk about some more about his girlfriend, his living girlfriend, Mary Lou Danley, who is uh, MIA. <laughs> you know, it's so interesting to read different reports about this or to listen to different television reports. Um, <laughs> she's, you hear them saying, at the same time, you hear them saying that she's in all different places. We know that she was in the Philippines. Indeed, some reports say that she was in the Philippines when the attack happened in Vegas. Um, and, in fact, the shooter... Uh, Stephen Paddock had, before the shooting, had wired $100,000 to the Philippines last week, the week before. Uh, he wired it to an account, an account in his living girlfriend's country of the Philippines. That's where she's from. And, um, and, and then, lo and behold, what a coincidence. Then she went there to the Philippines, maybe to pick up the money. Hmm, let's see. Um, now she's been reported to be in Hong Kong and various other places. But what I think is horrendous and also suspicious is the fact that after, I mean, she obviously knew that this was going to happen before it happened. And, um, and I think it's very suspicious that um, once she heard about it happening, uh, wherever she was, Hong Kong, the Philippines, you know, certainly the, all over the world they heard about this happening. And yet she didn't hop on a plane to come directly to, uh, um, back to the States to see what she could do to help. She continued traveling. And, uh, and, and yes, um, some authorities, whatever that means, were able to contact her by phone. And she is expected to be returning to the States soon. <laughs> But no one really, um, it is not clear, no one, certainly there have been no reports about where and when exactly, and yes, they might be purposely keeping that quiet, but one wonders really whether the authorities know exactly when and where she is coming back. So, it's all very suspicious, and um, what I, as I was saying earlier in the show, that the authorities are expecting her to, you know, give them all the clues, explain the motives, and so on, and that she's going to be the, uh, the answer, the long-sought-for answer, and yet, um, clearly, you know, having gone to the Philippines where that $100,000 was wired, um, she is in on this to some degree, and she knows a lot more than I believe she will ever tell. Um, so uh, she had a Facebook page <clears throat> that's now been deleted, um, but the brother of Stephen Paddock said that he met her um, a few times, and he said, she sends my mom cookies. So she sent their mom in Florida cookies. That's nice. Um, <laughs> And, you know, again, as I was saying before, she worked as a high-limit hostess, a uh, very euphemistic term, <laughs> uh, between 2010 and 2013. And then she got married. Um, she was married to an Arkansas resident, uh, Geary Danley, until they... And so apparently that's where, that's where she got her last name. She's still using the last name of her husband, of her ex-husband, 
Um, she was married to him until they divorced in 2015, and that's when she went with Stephen. So it's interesting. So she worked as this hostess uh, from 2010 to 2013. I think, I have not read it anywhere or heard it anywhere, but I believe <laughs> that that's probably where she met Gary Danley, who was probably one of these rich, um, high-roller uh, gamblers, um, which is what a high-limit hostess is out there to do, in my opinion. And so she, you know, this poor guy, this poor rich guy from Arkansas, um, probably didn't know what hit him. Uh, and this bad girl, Mary Lou, um, you know, hooked him and got his money, and then they divorced, and then she went to Stephen, who was also a multimillionaire. And, um, and, and now we have the story of... Uh, this. So, so um, it's going to be very interesting as to what she does and doesn't say. Now, let me talk about what, how you can talk about this if you have kids of your own or, oh my goodness, we're running out of time. Um, okay, let me tell you some of the top things. Don't pretend that your kids don't know about what happened in Las Vegas so you don't have to tell them about the, pro- the tragedy. Encourage them to ask questions and to tell you how they feel about what they saw. Ask them what they think is the reason someone would do this, how they feel about guns and violent entertainment. In other words, um, don't pretend that because this is so horrible and, you know, it's too bad that you have to tell them about it. Don't pretend it didn't happen because um, then they won't be able to trust you. Just like what I was saying, the story about how Stephen Paddock uh, couldn't trust his mother anymore when he found out that his father wasn't dead, he was in prison. Your kids won't be able to trust you if you don't tell them the truth about what happened in Vegas to the extent that we know what happened, um, they won't be able to trust you either. Now, we see how well that worked out for Stephen Paddock, um, the kid of a mother who didn't tell the truth. So don't let that happen to you. And um, I want to just quickly refer you to my website uh, because I, I have written a book that just came out, and I'll be talking about that in a future show. But anyhow, it's called Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. And some of the things that I recommend, the long-standing things, not just the highlights that I mentioned now, but as far as how to raise children so that they'll be more resilient when things like this happen, whether they're radical Islamist terrorists or just horrible tragedies like this where lives are lost, you need to do things to raise your children in a way that will make them resilient. So that uh, website is terroristtherapist.com, terroristtherapist.com. Well, thank you for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 